Hi, everybody. Welcome to the IGDA Twin Cities podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and it's a sort of special occasion today that we've got a number of guests. So with me, as always, is Tori. Hello. And Jackie. Hello. And also with me today, we've got three special guests back from or still in San Francisco from GDC. We've got Nate Yorchuk. Hello. Uh, Martin Greider. Yeah. Martin Greider. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm back, though, in Minneapolis. And Scott Lemke. Greetings. All right. Uh, quick introductions. Um, Nate is a uh, fellow developer, of course. Um, he's a freelance developer for Nimble Gorilla. Uh, he's presented before at the IGDA uh, Twin Cities. Um, Martin Gritter, Grider. I told you, Martin, I was going to just do that to you all the time. <laughs> Martin Grider is uh, president and CEO of Abstract Puzzle. <laughs> Martin, actually, glad to have you back. You've been on before. Um, and you, since we, you were on before, I think you started your company, Abstract Puzzle. Yeah, I don't know if I've been on since I since I had the since I had the LLC. Yeah, I think we st we had you on before that. And uh, last but not least is Scott Limke from Howling Moon Software, and also uh, main developer of Chipmunk Physics Engine. Is that uh, yep. Awesome. So full on creator. Full on. <laughs> you know, like the maths and stuff. That's right. So I don't think you can search for 2D physics without uh, Chipmunk popping up. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, everybody, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Um, I should also mention that Jackie attended GDC, too. So I kind of attended GDC. I didn't actually buy a pass this year. I was just doing meetings and stuff. Ooh. All right, well... Me and Tori didn't go, so naturally we're going to be the ones that talk the most during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> All right, so, well, since everybody but me and Tori uh, went to GDC, I figured it'd probably be best if, if me and him went first with what we've been on, what, up to lately. And uh, hey, Tori, do you want to intro us a little bit? Um, sure. Well, uh, I'm Tori, and this is Ryan. And we... we um, we make some games together, actually. Um, and recently, uh, I've actually... Uh, it was kind of bizarre, but I ended up doing uh, the voice for Utica, New York's Metro Transit System, which is kind of funny. That was um, kind of fun, but a lot of the names were really bizarre to try to pronounce. Uh, but that was pretty fun. Like the stops and stuff? Yeah, for just like for the bus stops and whatever. Did you do it in <clears> your normal voice or in a character voice? Just a... I just did it in my old, like... Uh, Colonel Mustard voice. Everyday Tory voice. Yeah. <laughs> Main Street. <laughs> Number five. Get off the bus, you buzzard. But uh, just just regular stuff. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Just stuff. So it's it's going to be in English and Spanish. So that's the. How that's that, why I'm. Uh, that is what? incredibly interesting. How the heck did you land that? Actually, well, I did a long time ago. Like I don't know, two years ago, I did it for the Utica's bus stops. Uh, for, sorry. For Syracuse's bus stops, and then they, I don't know, somehow needed Utica's stops, so they got a hold of me again. So I just auditioned for something online and was lucky enough to land it. And uh, the nice thing is there's not a lot of people that can speak English and Spanish, like with relatively not much accents, so that, that helps. 
Cool. Um, and so I did that this this past week, and that was that was pretty fun. And uh, I've also been trying to um, challenge myself to learn some new pl- plugins for music creation and sound creation. Um, I don't know. That's always hard. It's 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 probably like anything. It's just like there's so much cool stuff you can learn, but it's it's hard to take the time and just go through and learn all the little ins and outs that have all the cool little features in them. Um, and lastly, I had a student that almost aced my class um, for audio for games, and um, I was a little worried that he was going to because that would mean I'm probably doing it wrong. But uh, he came very, very close but didn't quite ace it, so I think it's everything's okay. But uh, awesome student, and that, <laughs> that was really cool. He should be teaching you kind of student? He should be teaching me. He did teach me. <laughs> yeah, that's the hey, best did, kind. So, so speaking of game audio... Um, yeah, like I, I hung out a bunch with, uh, some game audio folks at GDC and this isn't actually where I found this, but, um, coincidentally, like also happened to see this article about audio bus. Have you heard of that? Oh, no, I haven't heard of that. So audio bus is a, a really interesting app for it's like your iPad app. And, uh, it's, I think it's iPhone, iPad. It's not, it's not specific one or the other. And <clears throat> all it does is it's like basically just like channeling audio from one app to another. That's all it does. And so you you can open it up and you you tell it like, oh, I want to take this audio stream from whatever app. Um, I'm not sure if the audio stream has to already have been created. I'm not sure. Um, and then you tell it like, oh, I want to go it. I want to like want to connect it up to. And all the apps have to support the audio bus like protocol or whatever. So you say like, oh, I'm going to hook it up to this effect app. And then it's going to stream back down into this other third app or whatever. Like you can just chain them. Like I don't know if it's like infinitely or what. But uh, the big deal is that um, Apple's uh, GarageBand now supports it as well. So oh, that's you, cool. That's cool. Yeah. So like as a as the end point. So like you can you know stream audio from whatever basically into GarageBand now. Cool. Very cool. Am I dating myself if I say that when I was young, I would call my friends when a song was on the radio and hold the phone up to the radio? <laughs> no. I think people still do that. Yeah, they probably yeah. still do that. On the radio? Look, listen to what's on Pandora right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, awesome, Tori. Well, how about you, Ryan? Uh, you know, I played a lot of games, and, and I thought some of them would be worth talking about, but I don't want to bury it at all but i i did play tomb raider anybody else play tomb raider no you know i've heard good things about it though you know i was really impressed with it It was it was very well done i liked it uh and i'll leave it at that i uh also played i did finish it um i've got off before i know in discussion about games and and i typically don't like um platformer puzzly sort of stuff because it's frustrating to me sometimes but Tomb Raider did it well in that you could just totally ignore the tombs and just go shoot people. So it, wor- it works <laughs> for me. But the overall story and stuff, I don't know, worked pretty good. Um, and the, the other one I'll mention, I guess, is Dead Space. I played it co-op with, uh, with Zach. And it, it isn't really a Dead Space game necessarily, but the co-op option or, was really unique. Um, I don't think anybody else here has played it. But what happens is as you're playing co-op, you're having these different experiences and my character was having like a psychological breakdown so in the room where we're fighting monsters and stuff there's like birthday cakes and presents and (laughs) and toys 
and, That's awesome. and so I'm talking to Zach. I'm like, do you see this? And he's like, no, I don't. <laughs> he, <laughs> he didn't get to see any of that stuff. But it was, I thought that as a, as a gameplay mechanic, that the idea that you're playing in the same world, but having different experiences to a certain extent was really interesting because you could totally play that with somebody else and not talk to them at all and never know that that's happening. I thought that was kind of neat. That is really cool. I don't know if I've heard that before. Uh, I mean, I've heard of that kind of experience before. That's Yeah, that's I really cool. liked that. I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, there'd be like uh, toy soldiers standing around. And it was <laughs> it was neat. Um, and then, uh, real quick, I am signed up for Coder Dojo as a mentor here in the Twin Cities. So, um, there you are. Yeah. Have you, have you gone to the like intro thing yet? Yeah, I went Whatever. to their their little meeting where we sat around and discussed what could become of it. Um, I don't know much about Quarter Dojo, but what it sounded like was kind of like um, a bunch of people who are interested in helping children that are interested in programming, regardless if it's games or websites or whatever, as like a an outlet to help them and mentor them. So. We're we're starting off with something I'm not exactly sure what, but I'll be one of the mentors here at the first one here in the in Minneapolis. So we've got 20 students signed up, and I think there's going to be like 10 mentors there that day. First first week, the, it's first four weekends of of April. I guess that's coming up real fast. Holy cow! Yeah, that is coming up real fast. Look at you volunteering. Oh, well, I used to do the teaching for the. The, the other thing, but that was paid, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. So I'm hoping this can be more of that. I, I don't know. There's nothing better than seeing like your smart student, Tori. Somebody who's just interested, but yet needs a little bit of help. Yeah. Have you, so are you going to um, mini, mini bar this weekend? I am not, no. I forget which one it is. It's probably like the sixth or something like that. Like it's I been going it's on eight. for a while. I think it's eight? for eight. Yeah. Wow. I think I've been to every one. I, but, um, <clears throat> I'll probably be there in the afternoon. I actually have a class in the morning, so I think I'm going to go to my class and then go to minibar. So one of my old coworkers is organizing that whole, uh, um, um, coder dojo thing, right? Like, um, Oh yeah, yeah. You used, used to work at Clockwork. Yeah, we walked. We did a little tour there, and um, uh, Will Buck was there with us. I don't know if you know Will, but he's no. like Martin worked here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Because they got your picture hanging up on the wall. Well, isn't isn't <laughs> oh. Rebecca also involved with Coder Jojo? And you used to work for her a long time ago, or Wait. volunteered at the works, didn't you? Oh yeah, that was in I was in high school when I volunteered yeah. at the works. Yeah, she was telling me about that. I had lunch with her, um, gosh, I, mean, I don't know, like three or four weeks ago. I'm amazed she remembers me, actually. Yeah, she totally remembers you. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, anyway, they have a um, Coder Dojo panel this weekend at, at uh, mobile, or not mobile, <laughs> at uh, mini demo, mini bar. Mini bar? Oh. So, yeah. I did not know that. I guess I'm not totally plugged into the coder dojo (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i mean it 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 doesn't look like it's like it's just kind of about teaching in maybe more in general than than about 
the coder dojo thing specifically but i know it's it's by the same guy uh matt, matt gray yeah <clears throat> yeah i'm so looking I'm gonna, forward to see how it's gonna go yeah I, I i'm like i'm really interested in that as well i just i do not have time for yet another commitment yeah <laughs> yeah i know well the benefit in this case is that i can bring my 10 year old along yeah so it's a good sort of father-son thing and um i get i think they decided on sort of starting it out with a scratch like let's see what we can do with scratch thing and yep my my son enjoys scratch quite a bit so i'm hoping that i can push him to help other students which i think would be awesome so we'll have to see what happens anyway so yeah, quarter jojo cool. in the in the twin cities it's neat have, having heard what it is it's neat to hear it that somebody is starting it up here so hopefully good yeah things. i did see i did some googling before i decided like for sure that i wasn't going to do it and uh one of the other cities or whatever like somebody was uh basically showing off um some apps that they'd written to control one of those quadrocopters yes <laughs> and i was like i have one of those <laughs> of, course, of course you do <laughs> i want i want four of them and i want them to fly through windows <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was actually my christmas present this year my oh awesome yeah so i've really only flown it like once and it was actually in the halls <laughs> in my apartment complex <laughs> so i'm excited to get it out when it's actually warm up yeah they're a lot of fun and did you guys ever see the video of maybe a month ago about the uh, quadrocopters that were balancing a pendulum on top of themselves and throwing it between them Oh, yeah, I've I, seen that. I did see that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> didn't that didn't that have like a write up about how they did it and stuff too? Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, they have the the video and explanation, and they had kind of a, I don't but, know, a longer article associated with it. But you know, what? <laughs> I, I'm remembering our conversation from from after the meeting. That's what I'm remembering because we were talking about this at some length. That's why. Yep, I remember that too. And I had. Now that's why it rings a bell. Yeah, that was an, uh, just seeing the video, like that day. I think. Oh, there's so many. Yeah, you, you can get lost for hours looking for quadcopter videos. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, anybody else have anything not GDC news that they might want to talk about with regards to? Uh, I do have two quick things. So first. I am taking one of the um, gamification classes on Coursera right now that just started on Monday. And what what is that? What is um, that? It's like those massively open online classes that are free and anybody can oh. take them. You can uh, go to Coursera.org and um, sign up for them and take them if you want. Um, <clears throat> I'm taking a behavioral economics class right now in, in, this, in this gamification class. And the professor, I, I just started watching the videos this morning, and uh, the professor in his introduction starts off with his World of Warcraft character. <laughs> and I almost like unenrolled from the class because he was playing a Tauren shaman. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> seriously, dude? <laughs> you, you don't think that matches for a professor well and then you actually see the picture of him right like later on like you see the video of him and you're just like torn shaman what are you compensating for come on guy 
<laughs> you know how much leveling up he had to do in order to get that ready for the class. Well, I'm sure he's been playing it for years and years and years, so I'm I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> he, he thought, you know, I put so much time into uh, his character development that he needed to like find an outlet for it. So now he's teaching. <laughs> right. So, um, and that, and uh, I, I'm back in the game business now. I have a new client. I am doing some business consulting for these three ladies who are producing a, it's kind of a, like a personal growth slash self-help kind of card game thing. So it's kind of cool. I'm really excited. I don't think anyone else on earth except me could take these people on as, as their client, but um, I'm really excited to be working with them. They're really awesome. And yeah, cool. I spent all day Saturday in San Francisco with them, and it was really amazing. Awesome. How'd you how'd you meet them? Is it? Um, I mean, is that part of the reason, like you went out there and stuff, or or you had planned? Well, to meet actually, them uh, two of them are based in LA, and one of them is based in Las Vegas. So um, they just wanted to come to San Francisco. It was like an excuse for them all to go somewhere. <laughs> I don't right, know. That works. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Um, I, but I met uh I met uh one of the women through a friend. Um actually through she's geeky. So and and they're not techie at all. They're um they're like uh one is a is a healer. Like she's an actual like honest to god like healer. <laughs> and uh not a yeah. shot, not a shaman not a tauren shaman <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then another one um actually is a very successful real estate uh agent in las vegas and uh another is um she's currently doing like caretaking for um like kind of hospice care type stuff is what she does so it's a very interesting group of of ladies but they they made a game like six years ago um, that they play amongst themselves and they played with their friends and they're, it's all, I played the game with them on Saturday and it was really fun. And, uh, but I think it's definitely a more of a female oriented game <laughs> than, than something you guys would probably be interested in, but I'm really excited to, to work on this project and so it's awesome. going to be fun. Cool. What's the game called? Do they have a name? No, it actually doesn't have a name yet. Um, they've like gone through a bazillion different names for it, um, and they haven't settled on one yet. So I don't, I don't know what to call it either. <laughs> Just don't call it Pink Halo Armor. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it'll be called Pink Halo Armor. I'm pretty sure. Perfect. Pretty Perfect. sure it won't be called that. Now yeah. watch, it'll end up being called that. Because they'll get frustrated and they'll be like, pink halo armor. I love it. It's a great name, actually. I would probably play that once. <laughs> the the neighbors recently invited us over for, you know, a drink and to play a game and they did it through my wife. And my wife said, uh, yeah, they invited us to play this game, and I can't remember the name of it. And I'm like, is it Cards Against Humanity? She's like, Yes, that's it. <laughs> So if you don't know what Cards Against Humanity is, it's kind of like apples to apples with a, a, a dirty a, a subject and then everybody has cards and you try to pick the thing that matches the best to that subject and 
it's totally objective because whoever's turn it is. Yeah. But it's really dirty and just full of nasty stuff. And it's and, designed uh, to make you a bad person. <laughs> yeah. So, but we also ended up playing it with their, their, their two uh, teenage children. <laughs> one who's a, a freshman in college and one who's a senior in high school. And I mean, I didn't mind, but the, the wife kept kneeing me underneath the table. like, Ryan, <laughs> like if they put them at the table here, honey, I can't help it. <laughs> hey, it was a lot of fun though. Anyway. Yeah, it's funny. Cool. I don't know how many game pitches I've heard where it's like, well, it's like apples to apples, but yeah. Yeah, I will say, um, not to take too much on the Cards Against Humanity, but the spelling on their cards is actually really bad. Like nobody checked them or something. <laughs> they have another game. I think it's called. I, I think this is the same company. Actually, I should double check this now that I say it. I'm like, I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> there's another game. There's another company. Uh, game out there called we didn't play test this at all it's <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant name for a game that is a great name is it true <laughs> i don't know have you played it i guess i have not played it no <laughs> you take on the role as the play tester <laughs> that's right play test quest you know what i don't think it is the same developer because we didn't play test this at all as as Madi games and cards against humanity is so cards against humanity it looks like it's actually published by cards against humanity llc i that's weird actually very strange usually there's a publisher with a quirky name <laughs> you know it's pretty common in in movies for um the movie name to be actually an ll or not an llc but another company right just like an the, the, yeah exactly like the name of the movie company or whatever yeah yeah and then they basically run it to the ground and bankrupt it, so it didn't make any money. No, it's totally true. That's yep. totally true. Yep. Yeah, it's all creative accounting. Um, yeah, I just checked Cards Against Humanity is on Amazon. It's back in stock in case anyone is out. Cool. I will say I was taken aback at a couple instances of cards that I got. And um, the the... I don't know if you've ever played apples to apples where you just like give up and you just say, put your card down before I flip the subject over and stuff. And, and we, we started doing that with cards against humanity and it was actually pretty dang funny. All right. Well, anyway, enough about that. Um, anybody have anything else? GDC, GDC, GDC. Well, before we do that, Martin, I know I wanted to ask you a couple things because you presented last month. I did uh, about Apple Citrus and for the win. And uh, if I'm, if I believe correctly, you presented a similar presentation at Mobile March. Uh, not really, actually. So they were different. Um, oh, okay. And I know yeah. Scott, you presented at Mobile March too, right? Yep. Okay. You guys want to talk about that at all? <laughs> uh, yeah. So S Scott actually did my presentation at Mobile March. No, I'm oh, <laughs> that would be an awesome idea for a thing where you just hand out your presentations to each other and then you have to present them that's right i'll just give you the slides like, <laughs> i'm not going to tell you what it's about or give you any notes you just have to present with the slides i would seriously <laughs> sit through that because it would be amazing <laughs> there's a show on i can't remember what channel but it's like about these four guys that just sort of prank each other and one of them had to give a presentation. No, they had were divided into two teams, and they had to give a presentation about team building. 
but they didn't know what the slider <laughs> videos would be. And so they had to give these, you know, professional presentations and then not know what the content was going to come up. That's funny. So my, my talk at, uh, at IGDA was actually just like kind of a sort of a postmortem of those two games. Um, mostly just kind of like talking about the development process for both of them and what, what, you know, what it was like starting a new company and stuff like that. And then at mobile March, um, I actually did a talk on, um, board game conversions and, and kind of doing, uh, presenting case studies. Uh, so like kind of, I, I really actually just talked about three games. I talked about my game for the win, which is a, a physical board game that I ported to iOS. And then, um, two of like kind of my favorites basically that have been around for a really long time, uh, the Carcassonne app and then Ascension, the board game, uh, Ascension is a, a card game and the, yeah, so so I kind of just talked about like you know what UI elements are kind of uh, common across all board game conversions and like what what sort of things do you have to think about when you're doing those conversions? Okay, yeah, I saw tweets going on that day and I was sitting at work and kind of bummed. I wanted to see what you guys were up to. I could do a little personal version of it for you. Oh, come on over. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Scott too. Why not? <laughs> yeah, my talk was just basically on a tutorial of how to use like Chipmunk to create a simple physics-based game. So nothing too fancy, but he's like he's being so modest. So they they actually put up like uh, you guys put together <laughs> like basically your first game is like open source now, right? I mean, that's... <laughs> more or less. Like, we kind of like stripped out all like the. Like the scoring stuff it was really just like the basic gameplay logic, and uh, yeah, we made that into a tutorial. So, I mean, it kind of like showed all of the sort of things you might want to use as a physics engine, like how to create objects and uh, do queries and uh, you know event callbacks and stuff like that. So it was, a, it was a good kind of example that showed all the things you might want to do. Uh, what's the name of that that game? Uh, well, the game that we made originally was uh, Crayon Ball. Right. So. <laughs> Wasn't and it called something else first? Uh, yeah. Well, originally, we'd called it Scribble, and it was spelled, <laughs> you know, like Scribble, but with ball on the end, and no one could spell it, and no one could pronounce it. Oh, and if you searched for it, like Google and like iTunes would think you meant something else. So we're like, this is stupid. We're going to come up with a better name. <laughs> so, yeah, we changed the name at some point. <laughs> That actually is an interesting pointing out of like a, a problem a lot some games have. So <laughs> I, I really enjoyed uh, your talk a lot, and I it's funny because I ha I've had this experience with one other tech topic. Um, the the other topic was like Android development, and like I, I literally sat through like three intro to Android development presentations before like it kind of like any of it clicked, you know, before I before I didn't like. I wasn't just glazed, staring at the screen, not understanding anything that was being said. And I think I've had that now. I've had that experience also with uh, with physics talks. <laughs> like I feel like I've been to like three different physics talks, where like I was just completely not following along, or like I followed along, but still none of it was retained or something. And this was the first time where I felt like I, I left with like, oh yeah, I could totally do that. Like, <laughs> like I knew what he was actually talking about. All right, I guess that's good. 
<laughs> yeah, I would say that's an excellent review. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was so that was Mobile March, and I think you know, you know, I thought so. This I had pitched actually to Justin, uh, Justin Grammers, who runs Mobile March. Um, I had kind of said like, you know, I I really think like there's enough Twin Cities game developers where we could do like a mobile game track at Mobile March, and uh, and he was sort of. You know, like, okay, all right, maybe. So have them submit some, you know, papers and we'll see. Or, you know, have them submit presentations and, and, you know, we'll see how that goes. And then he ended up, you know, being pretty positive about it, even though, like, for a while we didn't have enough people. And then I think, like, actually, when it came right down to it, like, there was, there were more, there was, like, one game talk that wasn't even in the game track. Like, they had, I think they had too many game game presentations. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was really cool. Like I basically just sat in that room, and you know, enjoyed myself. Uh, I would say barely any of them were sort of relevant to me, but it was totally fun. Cool. Yeah, we yeah, think what happens with that next year too, because like there weren't like a lot of people there, but I, I kind of assumed that like uh, not very many people knew there was uh, game stuff this year. So yeah, Being it could be that. You know, it it could it could turn out that like you know, game developers really don't go to these kinds of things. But <laughs> but I th- I thought it was you know decent turnout. How many how many presentations in total was it? It was like a two day event, right? It's actually just one day. Oh, it's just one day. Okay. Yep. So they uh, God, do you know how many there were, Scott? I don't. There's probably like. Six, oh, I want to say there maybe? was like six or so. Yes, six to eight. Eight sounds kind of high. Yeah, six yeah. sounds about right. I could look. They, they do have a website. <laughs> well, <laughs> how, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, I think. Could. I mean, so I think there were four different rooms, and uh, you know, game, there was one game room basically. I know. I feel like I missed out. There were eight. There were actually eight uh, presentations throughout the day. Um, you know, so somebody presented on HTML5, and then there was somebody who presented on uh, uh, Unity, and there was one guy who had this presentation on the avant-garde in mobile gaming, <laughs> which was actually really, it was kind of fun. I actually thought that was like one of the more interesting ones, um, j- mostly just because it like kind of sparked controversy. Like, I, I don't know if it was just like the people that I was sitting with, but. We were kind of like, is that really avant garde? Like, what is he? What is it? Does he know what he's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, that was, was so fun to see that. Anyway, it, obviously, Mobile March holds nothing to GDC where there's, uh, you know. All right, yeah. Let's just let's just hop into it. So GDC, <laughs> Game Developer Conference 2013. I didn't get to go. Did not attend. Me neither. Neither did Tori. I'm super jealous of you guys. So, I, I will say, like, if you can make it, you should you should make it. It's sort of the mothership. So, was this your first? This time? is my second GDC. Oh, okay. So, my impression of GDC is somebody who hasn't gone and and sort of sees it from the outside and what the news media covers is that the coverage and videos and whatnot that that I've seen really don't capture what it is at all. And I think it's sort of similar to like our meetings we have as as IGDATC in that 
they can seem interesting, but they're really best if you're there and interacting and experiencing it with other people and having conversations and networking. That... Yeah, and I'd, I'd say that's predominantly true. I mean, uh, a big reason to go is because like there's so many people to meet and talk to. Yeah, it's about the networking and a shared experience or some something some something like that. I don't know, like just me on the outside and trying to find like legitimately interesting news about GDC. It it's kind of not there, and not that maybe I'm not selling it right or explaining it well yeah i mean so i feel i see some news about you know i mean i like follow some news outlets like i Gamasutra, i get the gamasutra emails on like mobile they have like a mobile summary email every week or whatever and like um so I, for whatever reason i saw a few different articles that were sort of like directly reporting on something that i actually saw at jdc and in in every case it was like Oh yeah, you know I could see that perspective. Like I felt like it was they were they were all filtered through someone, which is obviously how everything is reported, right? But like yeah. you don't really sometimes. I guess you just like most news that I read. you know you don't get the sense of that. You know you don't realize sure. that like oh yeah, there's always a skewing perspective. Like there's always someone you're reading someone's slant on something. You know like. Yep. Well, that's the difference too, and that maybe that's what I'm trying to explain is that you are experienced it firsthand, and you get your own impression, and then yep. you get that news impression, or yeah. what yeah. might be a brief thing, and then whereas in my case, all I'm getting is that news thing, and it never holds up to it's somebody else's impression; it's not my own. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. That, uh, one of the problems, especially with like the news, is well, one, it's like game journalists like aren't, you know, Reuters or. BBC journalists either, you know, um, some of them may or may not have professional journalistic, journalistic training or whatever, but um, so there's that. And I think some journals do come with their own kind of agenda to GDC and they're looking for every possible opportunity to prove the agenda that they have in mind which is very frustrating sometimes and i i get a lot of game news delivered to my inbox so it's always really interesting seeing the different articles and and things like that and and sometimes it's ridiculously frustrating you're like that's not what really happened like <laughs> but like you know, you know like martin was saying we should probably just hop into that subject because one of the big news subjects that came out of GDC at least and maybe it's big to me um because but is the the IGDA party that happened and I know that Jackie you were there was anybody else Nate Martin or Scott did you mm -hmm. attend the the party as well I, I was uh, there oh we were at a, a different one at the time but uh, yeah if we, we talked with other people who who did go and yeah <laughs> I don't know. It I, I skipped weird. a party. I actually didn't. I didn't really know about the uh, flubub until an act. Well, I was at a different party, and uh, there was a journalist there who was drunk, and uh, he was like the only <laughs> person that actually talked to you that about the uh, the party at the whole game <laughs> conference that I remember. He's like, "What do you think about the big scandal?" And I'm like, uh, "I don't really know much about it." <laughs> so to do a quick summary 
basically there was this uh, the IGDA sponsored party this year. Also was um, this this Yeti Zen party. So the Yeti Zen is actually like a co working space in San, in San Francisco, um, and they always host this party, and they always have sort of scantily clad yeah, women like uh, promoters, I guess is the word. So like, so these, uh, women are literally like on the corner of, uh, you know, like just outside of the Moscone, like handing out posters and, and, and like drink tickets and stuff for the party, like days in advance. Like they'll be out there like two, you know, two days before the party. Um, and it's like the, the base party is free or like, I'm pretty sure it must be because I went the year before as well. And then, like, you know, you can buy, like, some ridiculously priced VIP tickets. Um, like, I want to say, like, seven or $800. <laughs> and, like, um, and so this year, uh, because IGDA sponsored the party, um, it was, the big, you know, like, scandal was the fact that uh, there were these, like, you know, like, dancers, like, paid women, basically, like, you know, at, at the party, and it was kind of skeezy or whatever. But the thing is, like, that party has existed for years. This is just the first year that IGDA has sort of been attached to it at all. Well, there's a lot of strange disinformation in the media about it, because, like, apparently it happened last year as well with Yeti Zen and painted on costumes. Uh, right, versus so, like, scantily clad. But if you read like the the article on Gama Sutra from the one of the CEOs of Yeti Zen, she talks about this is the first time they've ever done anything with with IGDA. Right. It's, I'm like at a complete loss as to completely understand. And it sounds like they were just um so the big hubbub is that it's like objectifying women, especially after this year of one reason why and one reason to be um i i don't know what the best way to phrase that like okay let me let me back this up because <laughs> yeah. um you probably could all right so honestly like the only two things you really need to read to understand what happened at that party is not the forbes article which has a lot of wrong information in it but the statement from kate edwards the executive director of the igda which and the um shauna the ceo of yeti zen those those actually have the actual facts of like what actually happened that evening in them yeah those are the and, ones that i've given and the, the fact, credence to and the yeah. fact of the matter is is that um you know granted someone was upset by the fact that they, and the, they weren't dancers that were hired they were just models and at some point, MC Frontalot pulled them up on stage, pulled two of them up on stage. And there was only like five of them and like two stilt walkers. I don't know why the stilt walkers were there. But like the even like the, the stilt walkers had like short shorts on, but they had pantyhose on underneath their shorts. So it wasn't like they were, I mean, it's like your typical kind of circus slash, were, you know, skater wear. Of, you know, go-go dancer, yes. You know, that's that's basically the look. Yeah, but they were actually clothed for the most part. Yeah, I actually (laughs) wasn't really bothered by that. Like, I didn't, I didn't, and maybe I'm just getting really desensitized to it, but I just didn't even, it didn't even register. Like, and I thought the Stiltwalker girls were awesome, actually. I was really 
pretty impressed by that. Like, There's a certain amount of skill that goes into walking around on stilts. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, that's pretty pretty cool. But I mean, on the other hand, it's like, it's a party. It's not like a networking event per se. Like it's, it says it's a party. It's a party. And, um, you know, the wargaming thing that happened the next night in the same yeah, space true. that people keep getting mixed up was really skeezy in comparison now that said i mean it's like all of the advocacy track sessions that the igda like really work to put together seems to like have no <laughs> like everyone just forgot about that and like is focusing on these like five models and it's really frustrating that like, the level of outrage and things like that it's like i feel like i don't know I have opinions about that, as you know, Ryan, because I, I actually bothered to blog and I never <laughs> no, I thought blogged. You didn't. And I blogged on my iPad. That's how like bad I needed Ooh. to blog <laughs> about it. Because <laughs> what so I was really upset about in particular was the fact that like without any of the facts whatsoever, like um, the resignations. Yeah. Well, Brenda resigned and then. Darius in particular was kind of he was an actual elected board member to the IGDA and he had three days left on his term as of that party and then he's like I'm gonna resign and it's like well thanks because you've been on the board for three years and you didn't bother to stop this from happening in that three years time I don't you know but we appreciate your dedication to the cause what the hell <laughs> well and it, it's that was my first reaction too was like why especially with um brenda's reaction and the resignation was like so you get out instead of trying to fix what you think is a problem and at that point i didn't even know the whole breadth of what the issue was but then in addition like everything that good had happened wasn't in the news at all either so you you, you echoed a lot of my initial thoughts jackie in your blog do you do you guys think that the this the identical this identical conference had been held and that identical event had happened, say like in France, if anybody would have cared? I think that it was sort of like the Forbes article was one student that you know I think I don't exactly know how she got there, but Forbes of all places reported on scanty clad actress you know people at a party that the IGDA was, you know, involved with. Right. And actually just as, just to, 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 to the point earlier about how disinformation, how terrible stuff can get, I heard that they were topless dancers. There. That was, <laughs> so that's the, the other thing is that's like last year. Yeah. And that's confusing mm, yeah. too, because you do the image searches and of course those proliferate now. And that, that was my comment earlier about the painted on costumes. And that's what you'll find if you try yeah. to search for it. Well, no, I, I heard it on Twitter. Oh, so exactly. That, that, but the, they're talking about pictures yeah, they found from people from last year. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I don't know. I wasn't there. I, I'm trying to give as much credit to the situation that it's 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 grown legs that it didn't actually have. I think it did grow legs that it didn't actually have. But one thing that was really interesting, because well, at the party... It sounds like it grew breasts that it didn't actually have. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would have seen them. <laughs> 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 well, 
So there was a group of guys from Copenhagen that um, won the Mozilla game challenge thing that okay. had their game on display there. I don't know if any of you guys did you see that, Martin? The guys no, that were demoing their game. They had a they had this kind of like four player like joust meets asteroids thing. It wasn't actually the game that won, but was the game at at the party. It was at the party. And the only reason I knew that they were there was like we came in at the same time. So like Kate came out to usher them in and I kind of like got ushered in with them. And uh, so we were talking and then I, I ran into them later after they had set up their stuff. And one of the guys and they're young. I mean, they're like they're they're college students. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he's like, well, what do you think of like the the girls at the party and I'm like I don't I mean this isn't this isn't really bothering me like I'm not really really bothered by the girls and I thought it was interesting that he said something to me like I'm like it, it hadn't even registered so I don't know maybe I'm getting desensitized to this kind of stuff or I feel like a, a bigger deal was made out of it than it needed to be made Granted, I mean, maybe no models should have been hired. It all would have been the ideal solution. But honestly, like, Yeti Zen coughed up a ton of money on that party. And IGDA needed somebody to sponsor their party. And no one else came to bat for them. So there you have it. It's kind of a money issue. So I was, I was sort of waffling on bringing this up. But the reason that I was at that party, probably at all, although I might have gone to the IGDA party, I don't know, is uh, is, that, is that Canopy Census also was a sponsor of the party. Yeah, and actually, yeah. I think that's really funny, too. Like, they seriously dodged a bullet because nobody's mentioned their name in any at no. all and i was like when this kind of the shit storm kind of happened i was like oh my god no not canopy like <laughs> i really like those guys and uh yeah so so far they've managed to be innocent of of all wrongdoing which is good um and the igda is taking kind of the, the yeah uh, imagine the spin there with a touch sensitive case <laughs> Although for a product, you know, there's really no such thing as a bad publicity, perhaps. <laughs> well, and honestly, I feel like that's how Yeti Zen feels. Like I think they're kind of smart in a way for like I mean they're 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 keeping themselves like kind of at the top of the top of the news. I mean, I don't I don't think Sana is stupid. Like I think she's got some and actually there was this one quote that I'd read that she was reported saying that like uh, did she, after the after the debacle last year, she's like, "Well, this next year we'll do an Egyptian theme, and then if anybody complains about it, we can say that they're racist." <laughs> <laughs> I really like her. <laughs> so, do you think we're we're kind of at an interesting crossroads in gaming, where you used to have the very. Uh, maybe objectifying male culture that used to be at the forefront and now people aren't quite sure how to behave so they're sort of being oversensitive in a in a sense just trying to thinking maybe that's how I'm supposed to react do you know do you know what I mean or does that make not not make a lot of sense um I guess I would agree with you if it was the like men that were like oh my god this is terrible but it's not it's women 
Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I, I just I was taking your example of the the one guy. Yeah, that but he up. didn't go okay. in like he didn't pick up his game and leave the building. You know what I mean? He just mentioned it offhandedly yeah, sure, to sure. me. Like, <laughs> I gotcha. it didn't bother him that much. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? <laughs> like I gotcha. he wasn't okay. going to take a stand. <laughs> so I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I wonder if part of this problem, you know, is sort of amplified because this is the only outlet we had especially for me not being there and anybody else that was actually there is that it's sort of like a non-issue to everybody. Cause they know that it was sort of blown out of proportion in Forbes or whatever. And a couple places, cause you search for it and I haven't found a whole lot other than like reporting on the Forbes article, which is ridiculous, but um, you know, maybe it's, it's, it, it feels like a big issue to me because I'm somewhat involved or whatever. And um, and you, especially Jackie, having been there and and seen it and and being offended by the reaction that it's had, but but maybe that's that's the thing is that like legitimate additional media didn't engage it because there sort of wasn't anything to engage. Yeah, or I would maybe say that that's... that's probably part of it. Um, and I think the other part of it is like, you know, Kate handled that that afternoon. She gave a statement. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I think that uh, I don't think it's actually big enough to make it into mainstream news. It's definitely like game news. Yeah, <laughs> game I think that. News. Well, the the like hypocrisy of it is what the news was. So they got the drop in and mm. and they got their their zinger, and they don't care after that. You know what I mean? It just solidifies people's opinions of it if they already had it and you know, somebody like me who like was instantly like offended thinking that the news was, there was more to the story or whatever and looked deeper, you know? Yeah. My biggest frustration with it was that, and, and, you know, maybe it's part of like that culture where you're kind of always on guard so that when you hear something like this, your immediate reaction is like, Oh my God, I hate them forever. And like, and, uh, you know, and maybe maybe that reaction is kind of telling about, like, how people actually feel, like, often, even though this wasn't actually bad. So, I mean, there's that, too. Yeah. Um, so, it, it's, I don't know. It's the tense time in games around gender issues, for sure. I actually, believe it or not, kind of look at it as a positive that at least there's right or wrong, that at least there's tension now. Um, because I think that it's it's indicative of like a transitional period. I totally agree. Actually, um, I think like people are actually having conversations about this, and I think that's kind of the important thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and you know, I mean, I guess I feel the worst for like Cat Went, who was the other co-chair of the Women in Game Sig, because she's kind of left holding the bag, like <laughs> with Brenda's right. departure and. Uh, and, um, you know, and then, of course, like Sherry and, and Kate, who had spent so much time and effort getting that advocacy track going with those really great sessions. And uh, that seemed to be very popular and very well received. And I know that they were talking about having another advocacy track next year already. And um, so, yeah, uh, you know, it's like 
there's a lot of positive movement and I really, it really disappoints me, disappoints me in a way that like the drama of like this one event, like overshadows Mm -hmm. all of that when it wasn't really even that big of a deal. And that's what really super frustrates me about this. And the fact that like, even on like the, the wig sig on the mailing list, it was like, it just blew up. Like when that, and it actually took a whole day for that, that, Forbes article to hit that's what was what was the confusion because in the article it says mm-hmm. yesterday's party but the but it's actually uh. dated Wednesday not Thursday and Thursday was when it all hit the fan and um <laughs> yeah it just I mean the wig sig blew up and everybody was pissed off and angry and like it was I, I don't know I it's feel just, bad that I didn't. I didn't even really know there was an advocacy, advocacy track, and there was a whole session on one. The whole one reason to be thing, and I, I wish I had known that because I, you know, I followed that like when I, you know, when I was kind of crazy on Twitter earlier this year, and I would have totally gone, but I, I didn't know. I went know, to a couple of the other talks in this track, but not because they were on the track just because I there were sessions that looked interesting to me like I went to this like scapegoats um it, track or, or uh session about improving public image of games and actually that was a really sweet talk um uh there was just uh like Ian Bogust was on there Bogust I don't actually know how you pronounce his name and then um like somebody from Epic and the, and this other guy who both the guy from Epic and this other guy um, seemed like they had maybe been involved in sort of video game advocacy. Was his was was that the like the ten things? Um, yeah, it might yeah, have been. No, yeah. yeah, I did read that that there was an article on Gama Sutra after that, which I thought was pretty dang interesting. And again, it was like oh, I bet you this talk was really amazing compared to this article. But it, uh, it, it was an amazing talk for sure. Yeah, no, that that. It had some interesting stuff in it, yeah. Like, and and that's another thing that I get sort of passionate with games about too, because like, um, people's impression of what games are is flawed because they think they they put mm-hmm. violent video game is just like the synonymous with video game, but they don't mm-hmm. you know correlate what actually video games are. And this was echoed in, in in the at least the article that I had read was one of the things. One of the interesting, one of the most interesting parts of that talk, I thought, was that um, they, I, I forget exactly what the example was, but they were they were kind of saying like, you know, uh, there are other sort of, um, you know, uh, professions where, you know, there's a lot of talk about like whether or not something is too violent, um, but none of those other professions is it possible that like that whole profession would just be eliminated? And that's almost what happened with video games is basically what they're saying. Like, because there was, um, you know, real like legislation that was like, you know, uh, gonna put the kibosh on like violent video games. I mean, like, because they, they had this, you know, there, there was a lot of claiming, that, uh, you know, video games cause violence. And, like, if that had been, you know, sort of substantiated at all, which it really hasn't been ever, um, uh, you know, there would have been, like, actual legislation put in effect to, like, keep kids from, you know, playing video games. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And uh, even at its worst, like the the you know the comic book industry had something sort of similar in the like forties. Yeah. Yes, they did like, actually. Yep, very similar attacks from from the the, the legislators and whatnot. And yeah, very similar. Um, and the result of that was like the comic book code, which like so for a long time, like comics that were sold basically had to have this like stamp of approval on them. Um, which meant that they didn't have, you know, like violent content. What's that uh, book that came out a few years ago, Grand Theft Childhood or something like that? They do mm -hmm. an awesome job describing how video games are the focus now, where, and it's, we've done it numerous times in the past um, with comic books, with pulp uh, literature stories. Yeah, we're basically scapegoating. Yep. So, I mean, the, oh yeah, so, it's, it's, yeah. it's the newest scapegoat is is, is right. video games. Yep. So the name of that session was Scapegoat No More. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really cool talk. All right. Anybody else? Anybody see anything else interesting? Oh my god, a million things. <laughs> I yeah, I was actually I was trying to I was thinking of things to make like a little like quiz or not, and I looked up like real GDC talk or not. And I'm like, yeah, forget this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, so like my two highlights, um, both actually happened, I think, on Friday. Um, and I don't know if they're highlights because they happened on Friday and that's the last thing I can remember. But no, I really do think they were probably the two coolest things I saw at the conference. Um, were It was the, uh, the last, actually, of these. I guess there were 10 years of um, they call uh, the Game Design Challenge. And so, like, this guy who put together this talk, like, 10 years ago, basically just, you know, invited his favorite game designers to um, pitch an idea based on, like, um, it's kind of almost like a game jam. So, like, he, he came up with a theme, and then they all pitched a game. So they didn't make the games at all, but they, like, they would just, like, say what their game idea was. And it was, um, so they've been doing this for 10 years, and so this was the last year. And, and the coolest thing, I think, was that he, like, kind of summarized all the previous years in the beginning of the talk, and that was that alone was just amazing. It was probably like 10 or 15 minutes of um, kind of going through each year and talking about like the winners from those years. And like every game was awesome. Like I really wanted to play a lot of these games. And like, uh, yeah, I saw some Twitter talk about uh, Will Wright's thing. What was the theme for this one? This one so was, this um, was, oh, the, what if humanity was destroyed? What would you leave behind? Like talk last game. There so that go. was the specific phrase. Yeah. The winner is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, I have a lot of problems with the winner, actually. Like, I think the winner was kind of dumb. But um, Will Wright uh, was amazing. Like, I had chills several times during his, like, you know, I presentation. Maybe I didn't look deep enough, but I couldn't find anything on it. But So he, so his was all about, like, um, uh, do you remember, so there was a Star Trek episode. <laughs> that, and this is literally how he started it, too, is he's talking about the Star Trek episode where... Um, Picard, uh, like, kind of, like, faints, like, kind of falls to, uh, like, he passes out on the bridge. And uh, it turns out there's this, like, you know, alien space probe outside the ship. And the whole episode is him, like, living out this life on an alien planet. And he kind of, like, wakes up and, you know, like, uh, remembers that he, you know, was a Starfleet captain or whatever. But then, like, you know, after a few years, like, he's just living this life. And, he, and like, they show him growing old and dying. And he grows old and dies and then opens his eyes and he's back on the bridge. And it's only been like 30 seconds or something. But like, turns out this probe was like sent out because this civilization was dying. And, and, uh, and so they, they knew they were 
going to be blown up or whatever. And uh, so they sent out this probe so that somebody would experience, you know, their lives. And so, so this Will Wright's idea was like, this is like, a, we'll send it out like a game, you know, or like we'll create like an archive of a human experience through this game, basically. And he had this whole elaborate like sort of Facebook-like game that was um, archiving sort of memories, but then also like kind of a hot or not of memories so that eventually we'd have this like ranked category of all human experience <laughs> so like oh no <laughs> so so like one one thing might be like the mars landing like or you know the mars probe or whatever and then maybe uh the first step on the moon right you know and so like those two human experiences like everyone would kind of rank like which which do you think is more important so eventually we'd have like you know this giant database of like all of these human uh you know memories i think was the way he talked about them and uh then when we sent out this probe, it would be like it would dynamically ch choose a path through this like giant database of memories, so that you could you could like keep you know you could experience humanity um, <laughs> like in kind of infinite ways, but like still always getting the like most important moments. I think I've seen that independent movie. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find the name of that. It's totally yeah, the guy is totally. He's on like the International Space Station. The world goes to heck and is lost. And he's mm. like the only living person left up in space and can't get back until a spaceship arrives and it turns out it's cataloging the human experience. Mm. Interesting, though. No, I, well, given Will Wright presenting it, of course, that would be. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Fantastic. Okay, well, I gave some credit to the, the, the winner because, you know, I read about it and I thought it was kind of funny. But the winner was um, he buried a time capsule and then handed out a bunch of GPS coordinates and said it's one of these. <laughs> right. yeah. So like, so the, here's the weird thing about that. So like the everyone in the audience got a sheet and the sheet had like really tightly close printed, um, you know, tiny print um, GPS coordinates, just like GPS coordinate after GPS coordinate. Like there were like a thousand on each page or something. And uh, so there were millions of GPS coordinates. And his rationale was that uh, if, if, if one GPS coordinate a day was searched, it would take like 2,700 years or something like that. And, uh, but like, it's, it's randomly one of these coordinates. Yeah. But, if, if the last one you dug up was... <laughs> right, but it, it couldn't also one. be the first one. Like, there's just as much chance it would be the first mm -hmm. one that was dug. You know, so I mean, like... <laughs> yeah I, it's like do you not understand probability like, <laughs> <laughs> no that's how long it's going to take <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know it just seemed really like like it, he went to all this effort to like bury this game that would literally last two thousand years but then like the way that he ensures it isn't played for two thousand years is totally flawed yeah, like, right, right. <laughs> like, because he could have actually made a time capsule, you know, that like, just you know, and just and just publicly marked it, like said, you know, no one is going to open this for two thousand years. But that's not what he did at all. Mm -hmm. Like, he just buried it in the desert. Well, he made a game out of <laughs> finding it, which is sort of the geocache thing. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I it's so funny too because like he made a big deal of saying like he never played the game either. He thought up this game and then he actually like coded it into a computer and had the computer playing against itself so that he could like 
flush out its problems or whatever. And 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 that, that was the part. That was the first part where I was like, really? Oh, that sounds kind of bad. Because uh, because. A, I know that there are researchers that are trying to do that. Like they're trying to programmatically generate games, and and it's and it's a really hard problem. So, you know, the, a lot of the games that they Martin, come up with, he did are it. Stupid. He said he did it in his presentation. <laughs> yeah. Oh right, right, got it. Don't be a non-believer. He said he did it. <laughs> okay, so that was the so that was number one. Then okay, number okay. <laughs> that was number two. <laughs> I hope everybody has too. So we'll get done the experimental here. gameplay uh, <laughs> session. Have you heard of this before? So I don't know how many years they've been doing this at all. I have no idea. But last year it was a, it was the same as this year. It was a two hour block. It was like the the last two hours of GDC, and it's just literally like game after game after game. Like the creators come up and present them, and they only have like I think seven minutes. So it's literally like you know as many seven minutes as they can fit into two hours. And um, every single game is like, oh my god, that's an amazing idea. I've never thought of that. Like, you know, it's just like one after another where it's like, that's wow, actually that's so cool. Some of the things that excite me most is seeing how innovative some things can be and how silly you think about how, like how awesome an idea that is and yet so simple. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so actually after last year, I actually had to leave because my flight last year was like Friday night. And so I had to leave kind of in the middle of the session. I remember going through and like finding links to all the other ones that had been presented so I could like, you know, find them and, and, and read about them and stuff. And now that I think about it, I want to go back like as long as many years as they've been doing this, like I want to go read all of them because like it was just so amazing. These just these game ideas that you're just like, I don't know how they thought of that. And also that's an that's just an amazing idea. <laughs> So when you go to GDC, do you get an access to the uh, the vault or the archive of all the GDCs, or just the one you went to? It depends on the pass you get, but if you if you get the if you get the vault access at all, you have it all the way back. Oh, yeah, how much money do you have, Tori? The vault access is relatively cheap compared yeah. to like an actual GDC ticket, too. So right. it's like oh, you can you can buy the vault access without yeah. going to GDC. It's like five hundred bucks. Oh. I, I think they have a ten okay. percent discount for this week or something too, right after GDC. There's there's been oh times too where it's free or given away. So they have uh, some for they have highlight something. ones. What's right. that? My understanding is they have some videos all the time that are free. So there are a few videos, you know, like I don't know how many, but not not that many. But they're they've always been free. Yeah. 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 There's just okay. like selected sessions that are made available to everybody. Cool. You can also troll SlideShare and sometimes they people put up their slides on SlideShare after their session. If you're looking for links or whatever. So you don't get the whole session, but you can get, get slides. You can get the slides. Yeah. So what did you think was the most or the most interesting experimental game from this year? Did did you attend that too, Nate? I did. Um, and speaking of offensive stuff, like I think it was, <laughs> it was interesting because uh, Brenda Romero came up. Um, she showed her game called um, Mexican Kitchen Workers, <laughs> and uh, she had another game there, which was basically um, centered around the theme of loading people onto a train to send them to some sort of holocaust or something like that. Which I thought was interesting to kind of hide behind the artistic merit of, you know, this is an art game. 
whereas like other people sure. are doing other offensive things like the uh dead tide zombie in a bikini torso is like so terribly offensive because it just has no artistic merit at all but anyway well imagine a future where we can have well, a game about objectifying women and it's considered exactly. artistic I don't know about the Mexican kitchen worker game in particular, but Train, the board game that um, is actually really interesting because there's no way for you to not put the people on the train. And that's kind of her point. It's <laughs> like the people get on the train and they end up going to the death camps. But like um, it, it was more of a game that was meant to explore kind of the psychological like, because obviously a lot of people went along with the Holocaust, and so that's what she's exploring with that. And I do know about that game. I don't know about that other one. And I actually, you know, you're describing it, and it, it sounded super interesting because I can't imagine playing a game where you, as the player, just wants it to not happen, but there's no way for you to maybe make it not happen. It sounds like an interesting like way to put the player in an awkward place. I don't even know that you're in an awkward place, though, because, um, I don't know, maybe you have seen the game played more, but I watched some people playing it, and they didn't know what was going on. Like, one person was like, I hope this isn't a game about the Holocaust, because, uh, like, at the beginning, apparently, it's not completely clear. Right, because I think, if I remember correctly, you're given, um, you're just given, like, these directions from a typewriter and like you're just supposed to follow the directions um yeah and it it is a game about the holocaust but that's how the holocaust happens right it's just a bunch of what seems to be a number of benign orders but then when they're all put together it becomes a holocaust it was interesting too like the presentation of the game was like um on a broken window like they had these like three train tracks and they had kind of like, they're basically like uh model train cars. And uh, so everyone had, so the three players, when I was watching there were three players, I don't know if there are more or what, but the three players all uh, each had a car and you could like, you could choose to do these different things and you could use cards and the cards would say things like, you know, move your car to another track or like load three people onto a, a car that's not your own or something. I don't know. It was like, they're just interesting. Like the, I thought, it, I thought that was actually really thought provoking. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't find that offensive at all. And the Mexican uh, kitchen workers actually, I, I felt, I felt like that was actually very similar. Like um, in terms of like what she was trying to do was provoke thought about this issue. Like, and then she was sort of like research. She talked a lot about researching the game and like how, at first, she didn't really think that it was a thing. Like she, she went into kitchens in all these different restaurants that she would go to, and she basically was, you know, kind of herself surprised by how ubiquitous it, it is like that that you go into kitchens and there are Mexican workers in there. <laughs> and I mean, like, there's got to be a game there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, I I thought her I actually I thought her presentation was interesting, even if you know I mean I I did feel like that one was kind of like well I'm not really sure what the game is, but um, it was still an interesting 
presentation. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a good question. Like, which one was I most, uh, which one did I think was like most interesting? Because um, I felt kind of like after maybe like the first few, which I think actually like I sort of felt like the first few were the most interesting to me. But now I'm having a real hard time like remembering which ones those were. Um, they all started to like it felt like one experience where it was just like uh, like my eyes were pried open and, and I was just like being forced by like game design, game design, game design, <laughs> like self uh, forcing. But it was, did any of them like present it as like, you know, we thought this was an interesting idea, but when we came to try it, it, it didn't work. You know, I, think, I think they were selected. I mean, so like there were like 500 submissions this year. Okay. Yeah, I suppose that. So, so they basically chose ideas that they also felt were interesting. You know, I mean, I think that's my guess anyway. Cause I, um, I know that I've had that experience and I'm imagining that a lot of designers do too, where they have an idea and then they, put them down and then they see the the flaw of it or it's not as fun as you thought it was in your head sure you know i imagine that's a pretty common thing uh, I'm, I'm sure yes. no yeah I, <laughs> I, I totally agree i'm sure that's true but but sometimes that in and of itself is is i i know that me personally i really enjoy that that process yeah i, I feel like there was there was a game where um the point of the game was like you had this hole and you were supposed to move the hole over something and then the stuff would drop into it. And I yeah. feel like that guy was saying that when he first came up with the idea, he wasn't very interested in the game. Like he didn't think it was very fun. But uh, as he sort of worked through the ideas, he came up with some different mechanics and stuff that could happen in the game to make more interesting puzzles with the hole that just swallows stuff up. Like you can shoot stuff out of the hole once you get one of the special characters and things like that. So that was, I, I think it was yeah, more like that. They, on that yeah. they started out with ideas that might not have worked. And then they sort of iterated on those until they came up with a good mechanic. Yeah, that's true. And like, he seems like, um, yeah, actually that was, that, that may have been, I mean, I don't know if that was the only one, but like that, he definitely touched on that topic because he was, um, yeah, like it felt like it wasn't just like one interesting idea. In fact, it was like one kind of boring idea, like this idea that you'd move this hole around and things would fall into it. And then as he like revealed more and more of the game, like all these different things you could do with the hole, it became interesting, you know? Mm. Like, uh, for instance, uh, if you like get a hole, a frog falls into the hole and then it po it'll pop back out. And I can't remember why they, they popped back out, if there was something else or if it was just because it was frog. But then like the frog would grab things with its tongue. So the frog was another way to grab things and pull them into the hole. And then the hole would get bigger the more things fell into it. So that really changed things. Like suddenly like um, it's, it's almost like a Katamari Damasi kind of a situation. Um, it's starting yeah, to sound was, like frog fractions. <laughs> I don't know about frog fractions. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Just have to look it up. Sorry. I think one of the ones that I I was most impressed with was actually a game jam game that I had actually seen before because it was it was one of the global game jam games that got some you know like actual attention um, where he just had like a I don't I don't know if it's supposed to be like a fungus or something like basically just like a a group of cells like little 
like they're bigger than pixels, but like a you know a cluster of of things. And then um, it's kind of a touch game. You can just like touch anywhere, and it'll sort of deform the cells, and then they'll stay in that kind of deformed state. But you're trying to get them to sort of roll from one place to another. And um, again, an idea that like okay, that could be interesting, but like really depends on what you do with it. And like everything you did with it was so innovative and interesting. Like there were yeah, these... I think that was uh, Mushroom Eleven, and it That's wasn't right. It wasn't just deforming, but it was killing off. You would kill off part of your mushroom, and it would regrow attached to the main body. So there were also some mechanics. You wouldn't just kill off part of your mushroom. You would actually send your mushroom someplace where it, the environment would destroy it, and then it would grow back, and you could manipulate your mushroom in that manner as well. But yeah. That, yeah, that was really an interesting thing to see some of the early prototypes that were not as polished. And then he had done some really nice graphics work on it, too. Um, another one that really like got me was uh, there's this... Ah, man, I'm so bad with names. There's a game, I actually like pulled it up. Uh, it's called uh, Starseed Pilgrim. That was really cool, and I think I was an IGF finalist as well. Uh, and you're, it's like a platformer, but you grow the platforms. So, <laughs> so like you plant seeds, and then platforms will grow out of them. Oh, and like, heard of that one? It's so interesting. Like, uh, and I, I haven't been spoiled, but I've been trying to play it, and it's, I, I still don't really know. I, I don't feel like I know the mechanics yet. <laughs> but like the concept is so cool. Yeah, it sounds interesting actually. There's something to be said like forgetting a game and not having a manual. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I actually was talking to somebody about that today about like part of a game that's often overlooked a lot of times can be the, the discovery of that game. Because like tic-tac-toe, it's actually really a fun game to discover or to teach to like a young child and watch them like my kids and watch them engage this game and then start to realize these rules that they're forming in their own head to make the game basically unplayable anymore. Mm -hmm. oh. But, um, <laughs> but all these games that end up sort of like that actually is that the process we enjoy is, is the learning of the game to the point of, you might say mastery or whatever, but once you reach that, then it's not fun to play anymore. Or you'll reach some plateau that just is disinterest, which was our conversation because it was about chess. <laughs> this is, would you guys agree that the, at least for me, the, I love exploring games and learning about games. It's always just the how to actually control them that I never find very much fun. Like the learning how to, how it actually works. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, like the control scheme, that's what I'm thinking of. I never enjoy learning control schemes, but I love learning how the little secrets of the game and the the mechanics. Um, like, like yeah. so for me, like I suffer from always wanting to learn different mechanics and always wanting to experience different game designs, and um, to the point where like I own three hundred board games and uh, I've played. I would say the vast majority of them, like two or maybe three times. <laughs> so. If, if that many. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, you're a taster. Right. Yeah, well, I like to think of it differently. I'm actually like, 
I'm someone who wants to sort of uh, experience new things. I don't know. Maybe that's right. what you. No, maybe that's you. a taster. <laughs> oh, that's what I I describe as a taster because I like to. I think what you're saying is that you've got them, but you don't take them to extreme depth. But you really want to see what they're about, and I think right. that's a taster. All right. Yeah, but it's. But I feel like there's some like uh, some amount of analysis that I want to do that I think, um, you know, someone who is just wanting to experience new games maybe wouldn't do. Like, so I'm sort of I'm tasting, but with an eye toward the actual creation. So it's more like a chef tasting other, uh, you know, chefs' masterpieces. Sure. <laughs> I don't know if that's right. Not that right, but. Yeah, it's kind of like being like maybe like a sommelier or something where you're tasting a lot of different wines and but you're also, you know, um, maybe you're also a vintner kind of thing. So it's like you're educating yourself about all of the different types of blends and flavors and notes and whatever. But, you know, you're still also creating too. You're using yeah. all of that to educate yourself. And I think too that the 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 better you get at that kind of stuff, the quicker you consume it. So I you think I think you probably consume them really fast and get bored because you've probably found what you were looking for out of that game and move on. I, I I've just gone through phases with music like that where I'll like I'll get a CD and then I've I listen to it and I I'm bored of it pretty quick because I'm like I don't feel like I you know learned too much new or I heard the new stuff in there and I want to get on to the mm -hmm. next thing. So there's a lot of music I sitting around that I should really go and re-listen to again. But, um, and maybe it's a false sense of something I don't know that that I get. But I just like I, I, don't know. <laughs> I feel that way when I listen to Pandora's. If I'm paying any attention to it, I just want to hit the next button because I really want to know. <laughs> I really want to just want to know what the song is going to be. I mean, I might absolutely love the song that's playing, but the desire to know what the next song is is like overwhelming mm, sure. versus <laughs> listening to the current song. That's funny. All right. Well, I was going to ask um, the, the people that attended GDC, there was a question on, on Gama Sutra that I thought was pretty good. And the question was, what were your main takeaways from GDC 2013? And what did those ideas mean for you in the video game industry? So anybody want to take a shot at that? No? Should, <laughs> Wait, should, so ask, ask that again? I'm sorry, ask that again. What were your main takeaways? So like, obviously GDC is a big thing and we've talked about a few instances or whatever, but what's the big thing that you, you took away from it? Now, I, and I know that some people are like really inspired and and stuff. And I'm wondering, the the, the four of us that, that went to GDC, you know, what did you take away from it? And I'm assuming it's mostly positive, if not all positive. But um, what did you take away? I also think this is important because those of us that didn't go, our takeaway was all that you shouldn't hire strippers <laughs> um, for a party, <laughs> which didn't even happen. But but I, I think it's kind of sad that I I didn't go, and there's real almost nothing else I heard about. Yeah. So this is this is nice to actually. Um, I'll go like. Some things that I thought were really interesting were people talking about art and storytelling inside of games 
and not so much relying on high polygon counts, which I think like most people who do indie game development probably already know about that. But it was really cool to go to the reward, um, the award ceremony, and see games like uh, Cart Life and Faster Than Light, and games like that that don't have as much polish as a triple A title, and they were still winning the awards and getting just as much applause as the you know fancy triple a titles yeah that's awesome that that can happen did did anybody attend the rant the spy party guys rant and whatever no. other rants there were do you know what i'm talking about no so apparently well, I, there's a yeah it was uh you were there martin um oh, was was it? <laughs> he didn't, yeah, he didn't had, like, say the... anything it was called fair use and he just showed video of no did you that was he he did have a talk there was like the indie rant session or whatever where Christopher erickson i think his name is um i forget what his well i mean there's a number of rants and they're like the seven minute thing or whatever but um you know there was one chris heck heckers is the one i'm thinking about that's his name ah yeah yeah you're right sorry yeah and so he presented a presentation where he didn't say anything he just showed videos from from press conferences and stuff where they they talk about video games and it's actually quite funny because it it's all the big top you know sony and the big developers and they just say these ridiculous things about how now that they finally have all this memory they can make it so that the game the character actually has the characters are worth listening to you know it's it was just quite interesting fell in line a little bit with that sentiment there of like faster than light you know being I think an extraordinary, extraordinary game because, and and it doesn't need to have super fancy graphics or whatever because that's not, it's about the feeling. It's not about the everything else. They were still able to capture that kind of thing. Anyway. Yeah. And I went, there was another talk that I went to um, and she was talking about st- putting some style in your game. You know, if you're a small studio, you don't have a lot of resources to put 50 people on your art team and all that kind of stuff and one of the cool things she said was that style is made up of imperfections so your game is cool not because you perfectly rendered all of the characters but it's cool because you have this imperfect style like you know powerpuff girls and samurai jack have a very lo-fi quality in the cartoons but they're still very awesome stylistically Mm -hmm. And and you know exactly like when that guy does another cartoon, you can tell that it's his style. Mm-hmm. That's a cool point. That's a cool point. Kind so of... my, uh, I mean, this is maybe not exactly what you're asking for, but um, after going last year, like my big takeaway was, hey, game design is a thing. Like there's a whole industry of people who, um, you know, whose jobs are actually just, just design. Like they, you know, um, mostly in AAA, but you know, they're in, in small studios as well. As well, like there can be just like a guy who is the designer, and or you know, maybe he chips in on art or programming or something too, because they don't have enough. You know, it's not like it's full time. Yeah, he can't. Yeah, exactly. There, there are people whose full time job is actually game design, and so and and so there are books written about it and all this other stuff. But I mean, I kind of knew peripherally maybe that there were books on game design, but I sort of didn't really like internalize that it's a whole discipline. 
that there's a whole thing around it. There are many, many different ways of thinking about design. And, um, and so that was my takeaway from last year. And, and this, and I really only came this year or like the main reason I was excited to come this year was to sort of expand that and to continue like absorbing these thoughts on game design and sort of with different ways of thinking about game design and different, different, um, you know, different perspectives on game design. And like the, the weird part about that is that like you kind of almost have to, there are some talks where they talk very abstractly about thinking about game design, but those aren't useful to me. Like it's what's useful is actually like seeing all the new, all these different designs and sort of getting all these different perspectives and different, different ways of thinking about games and different ways of, uh, you know, creating games and, it's seeing all those different perspectives that I find useful and, and interesting. And that's like my big takeaway. Interesting. And so it's, so it's not like one thing I can't like really say like point to like, Oh yeah. And like, you know, this epitomizes that or something, but it was actually like hundreds of different games, you know, like experiencing all these different hundreds of games. Right. No, it, that's the, the, the crux of the question is being able to summarize it into one little thing, which is a near impossibility in, in <laughs> some cases, of course. So it, yeah. How about it's cool though? Yeah. I feel like I missed out in a lot of ways. How about, how about you, Scott? I know that you were uh, tweeting afterwards about uh, chipmunk a bit with respects to unity, at least. Yeah, uh, so I, I guess from our standpoint, kind of the reason why we go to GDC is to like meet people and like talk to them about Chipmunk and like try to get people excited and interested about it. And we always, it's always kind of an interesting uh, time because there's lots of people that have heard of Chipmunk, lots of people that haven't heard of it. Um, and you, you always get like a different perspective of what people are like looking for and, and want from, you, you know, like uh, what, what low, low, people with low budgets, you know, what they're looking for in, like, middleware that they can afford to, like, help them make games that mm-hmm. you don't really hear on the internet. But when you talk to them face-to-face, you always get, like, a, you know, a different story about, you know, what, what it is they're looking for. So, I, I mean, I guess that's pretty useful to us to, like, I don't know, get a different perspective on, you know, what, what we should be doing with, you know, Chipmunk if, if you know, we won't, if we want to continue selling it, so. Are, are you guys seriously considering the a unity middleware thing yeah i mean so that was one thing like um it's come up like very rarely that people are looking for you know using chipmunk with unity um but you know like talking to people there like it came up a lot like you know at least a dozen people are like oh you know this is really cool i'd like to use it with unity because you know a lot of people use like the built-in like unity physics for for doing 2d stuff but we've had a lot we've you know a lot, a lot of people like expressed like frustration that it like it's it's difficult to make two D games with it sometimes. So, yeah, it's kind of wonky in the way that it locks down an axis. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, we we got a lot of comments about that. So like, we're really you know seriously thinking that okay, we we should make you know uh, like a sell something on the Unity Asset Store like yeah. right away. Like that's maybe like a good first priority. You know, like. Completely changing what our priorities about, you know, we thought was the like important next big feature for Chipmunk is just make it more accessible to like more people that you know, like all the Unity developers out there. So, and like I said, that was just something like it. 
uh, you know, online, it like never really comes up because I mean, I, I, I suppose it's kind of a confirmation bias, you know, like I'm sitting over in my own little corner of the internet where, you know, where I have my forums and stuff and the unity people are in their own little corner and yeah, that's the networks and things that you engage in too. That's where you're yeah, getting the feedback that you're getting. So uh, yeah, that's always interesting from our standpoint to, you know, just the talking to people, you know, not on the internet gives you a completely different idea of, you know, what they're doing with games and, you know, what they, how they're making them and stuff. So. Well, you know, the, another nice thing about getting it up on the unity store is that then literally you will get straight up feedback uh, of people that have purchased it or people that are saying, if it had this, I'd buy it. And it's a nice concrete place with a sort of commemorated history of, what people are looking for and want and what and what they like uh so i think that that's a great idea that's awesome um you know i i expressed before i really um would love to attend gdc some year um justifying it is a little difficult and mm-hmm. cost and time especially yeah but uh i i'm super happy that that you guys that went were able to to share your experiences some with us and uh, I know I'm going to pick your brains even more at next meeting and whatnot. So, what is next meeting? By oh, the way? that's an excellent segue. Thanks, Tori. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as usual, I'm looking forward to the next one. So, the next one, the the main presenter is um, Gravik, and Gravik is doing like a rapid fire postmortem. And Gravik has presented numerous things and uh, in the past. So, Ty Burks and Matt Gravel specifically, and um, I expect very interesting stuff. I, I love statistics and numbers, and they usually deliver some of that stuff that I think is is often very interesting. Um, probably could... Do you know any uh, what what they're going to be talking about? Um, I know nothing beyond the the description and email that went out other than rapid fire postmortems. I think that they've worked on a number of of projects and um, including their um, Ski Ball Two, that came out. Right. Yeah, and so I think that that uh, based on a conversation I've had with Matt after one of the meetings, um, the postmortem on that should be pretty interesting because I think it performed differently than they had expected or hoped. I can't be for sure, so you'll have to go to the meeting to know. But um, right. I'm, I'm <laughs> very interested to see what exactly they they uh, postmortem in that case. But I think they had a couple others in line too. Cool. And the last time they were there, they talked about uh, jump dudes, right? Like it was kind of a big jump dudes postmortem. Yeah, they presented jump dudes a couple times. Uh, once together as a game, and then Ty did it once from like a real art standpoint. But they did do some of the numbers on it too, which yeah. is very interesting. It's a it, you know the whole mobile marketplace, especially, and I think Gravik does a an awesome job of not being too like uh, pushy in the purchasey kind of department. Mm. Um, they, they very, very open and interesting about their numbers and specifically things like uh, some of the stuff that I, uh, you hear it on online too, or not hear it, but you read it that, that the numbers you get back and the, the cheating of the system or pirating and and how it like 
really can impact your numbers and yet the paycheck you get doesn't reflect that stuff i don't know it's just it's really interesting to see all these statistics you have and how flawed they are by <laughs> something or other i don't know it's really yeah. interesting and then the um what does Zach call it? He calls it the uh, member project is uh, uh, pre-production on a Moonlighter's budget uh, presented by uh, Sam Loesch, I'm going to say. Loesch? I'm not so good with the name pronunciation, but that sounds pretty interesting too, actually. Because I think that's kind of what I'm on. The Moonlighter's <laughs> budget? Yeah, but I think my case is that I've got more time than than uh, money. More of a moonshiner's budget. Moon, moonshiner's budget. <laughs> My code would be better if I wasn't so drunk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Though I, know I, I have said it before that, that there is a certain high that I, that I get, at least, from, from programming, even the most simplest of things. So it's really hard to explain to somebody why putting Hello World onto a device is so enthralling. <laughs> but if if you can't understand that, then then you're in the wrong business. Well, I was talking to Martin today <laughs> earlier today too about like there's like some things that I, you know like the the first Phineas and Ferb game we did where it's like you know Disney came to came to like us and Graphic and they were like uh, can you make a game with portals in it? And I was, was kind of like yeah I think I have an idea how to do that and I remember like kind of sitting down and like I had an idea and I just kind of did it and it worked the first time I was like. You know, like really excited, like like that's awesome. But like right now, I can't actually remember off the top of my head how it even works. <laughs> and like when I did it, I I just sort of was like, oh, yeah, I just have this idea. Like it's sometimes really like inspiring to like, oh yeah, like when you do something that works and you're like, yeah, I made that. I feel like that my entire career is actually chasing that high, <laughs> and and then it takes like um bigger and bigger releases for, it to, for for me to feel it like it's it's literally like a you know like i need more and more junk hello world doesn't do it for you anymore uh, yeah hello world just really isn't that exciting anymore it needs to be like hello world on a new like crazy device that costs 1400 dollars. <laughs> yeah, just as a as sort of a joke if you, anybody has an android device sometimes search at the game play market for hello world it's sort of humorous <laughs> A lot of them there. Huh? Yeah, there's a lot of Hello World apps. This is just a personal <laughs> test is the description. But I mean, that's <laughs> whatever. And you put that on the store. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're testing the store, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, you know, all right, here's the thing. Is that personal high, that, that can be part of that high, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's your own like little thing. I know there are tons of things I do in programming and little prototyping and whatnot that I do. And I do it only for myself, like only because I'm chasing that, that particular interest that that's got no merit otherwise, other than that I care about this thing at that moment. So I, I could see getting a certain like exhilaration out of putting my hello world out there and seeing it in the app store as ridiculous as that is. I can totally understand. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I think it's always more fun once uh, if it's a goal that you're not quite sure that you can achieve, it's cooler to get there. But then once you've achieved that sure. goal, then any goal at a similar level, you're like, oh, I've done something similar. This should be easy. So then if you can't do it, then it's depressing. So you have to find some other 
higher level goal that's even more difficult to achieve the taller mountain yeah I, I have this at work a lot where like there's a problem and then i solve the problem and now it's time to do that problem a hundred times oh and yeah. i'm like oh, man it was so interesting before and now it's not interesting anymore i think it's that same sort of like a discovery story kind of thing where you're the act of solving the problem is is the interesting part but the the actual grunt work of it is you just want to find somebody else to do it here i made it work you just have to hit the enter key for 40 times a minute <laughs> next eight days <laughs> so that's why i'm constantly just reinventing the things that i <laughs> well what if i do this instead totally all right that's awesome all right guys well i appreciate very much you guys joining us today uh, thanks for going to gdc for us <laughs> oh yeah no problem <laughs> I'll be sitting submitting my uh, per diem request in a couple of weeks for you guys <laughs> yeah. to cover. That's okay. Uh, yes, we'll pay it back in pizza over here. Send <laughs> it to Yeti's in okay. um, model number four <laughs> yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Good night, guys. Yeah, good All night, right. folks. See you guys. Thanks much. Good night. Yeah. Stop now for Hi everybody. Welcome to the IG What is that sound? Hi everybody. <laughs> 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 we got our two hour and twelve minute lull. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.